Hey, it's Kelsey from the Retail Florist Podcast, coming at you with a bonus episode today. Um, this is just a little tidbit for you. We have been exploring some sales tactics, tips, techniques over the last few weeks, and I just wanted to share with you here just five quick tips or phrases that you can use for smoother sales. This is unscripted. I'm just hanging out in my jammies on a Sunday afternoon. If I don't have to put pants on and leave the house, I don't. I do have pants on, but comfy pants. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna kind of talk about the psychology of sales today. Don't worry, they sound a lot of big words. Um, I just find this really interesting and I feel like words are really powerful. Um, I think you could probably agree with me that we remember the way we're spoken to, we remember the way we're treated. Um, but sometimes just changing like a word or two in a sentence and how we talk to our customers can make a big difference. So I have a little outline, but it's not scripted. I usually script out the podcasts, um, mostly just for me because I, I don't want to forget anything. I can kind of get rambly and I want to make sure that I'm really thoughtful with your time. But this one, we're just kind of kind of winging. I have notes, but we'll see. <laughs> so the first tip is to find the motivation for why your customer is buying. So there's kind of two sides of the coin for why people make a purchase. I would say one is more positive and one is more negative. So like on the positive side, they're looking to either feel a desire or maybe make like a positive change. This is um, why you would maybe buy a planner for the year. That's on my mind right now because it's the end of December. Um, cause you're looking to make a positive change or maybe like gift buying for a friend. You're wanting to fill a desire. Uh, you're wanting to make someone happy, that kind of a thing. The negative side of the purchasing coin is like trying to solve a problem or move away from a pain point. And a pain point is kind of a marketing term, but it's really just something that's like bothering your customer or keeping them stuck. Um, so figuring out what's motivating your customer is going to definitely help you serve them better. So let's say you've got someone looking at plants and if they're a person that just really wants to get into house plants or a plant newbie, maybe they want to start with a plant um, for their home that's going to help purify their air. They've heard that plants are good for that. This is actually a question I got last week. What's a good plant for purifying the air in my home? So this is a positive. They're wanting to fill a desire that they have. Um, so this is like the positive side of the purchase coin. Now let's say that you are helping someone that needs a plant for a funeral. They're obviously solving a problem or moving away from an issue that they have. I mean, plants are positive, but the reason they're in the store is they're solving a problem. They needed a gift for a funeral. So you're going to use different language for each buyer. Now the funeral buyer probably isn't going to be super motivated to buy a snake plant because it's one of the best like air purification plants. But you may want to bring up the fact that a snake plant is very easy to care for. It won't add any stress to the recipient when they take it home. They can miss a watering. That's totally fine. That's going to motivate that buyer. The fact that a snake plant is a really good air purification plant is going to motivate your just like home plant shopper. So just kind of knowing why they're buying can help you know kind of the things, the words that you want to use, the points you want to bring up. The second little phrase is to avoid can or could statements. Can like C-A-N or could statements. Now, I'm sure there's probably 
a time when you can use this and it's fine. Um, but when you're discussing your product with someone, you really want it to be kind of a foregone conclusion that they're going to be taking it home. Not rudely, of course, like don't be rude, but you want to imply that they'll be using it or like reference them using it in the future. So let's just say you're watching an infomercial, like one of those cheesy, like 30 minute long infomercials. I remember when I was younger, staying over at my friend's house and we'd like be up till two in the morning and all that is on is these infomercials. But I don't even think kids these days are going to know what infomercials are. I should find one for my kids. Anyway, this is why I script these. So you're watching an infomercial and that guy is out there just like flashing the knives around and cutting like random household objects in half. Is he saying, look what this knife can do? You could cut pineapples. You can cut rain boots. Like, no, he's not saying that. He's saying this knife will cut through anything in your home. You will be making supper in half the time with a knife this sharp. So like this is super subtle, but I warned you we're talking psychology. But just using the words like you will be making supper in half the time versus you could cut things quicker, like that's a much more strong statement. Just changing that one word out. So you can use this in your flower shop in a lot of different ways. Like for example, let's say you've got a customer like looking at the cooler just indecisively. We all have had these customers. I think I get one a day. There's like standing in front of the cooler. They like don't want you to make anything new. They just want to choose something out of the cooler where they're just like standing there staring. They don't know what to pick. Like they spent five minutes staring and at that point I could have made them so they knew, but it's totally cool. I'm happy to help. So you feel like, okay, I need to kind of like nudge this along a little bit or help them a little bit with making a decision. And he wants to take these flowers to his grandma in the nursing home. And let's say there's an, an arrangement in the cooler that's like a rose bowl with carnations and alstroemeria. And you're like, this is the perfect gift. Like they're going to hold up really well in the heat. This is your internal conversation, by the way. It could be external too. Like these are good points. So you really want to sell this customer this Alstroemeria and Carnation arrangement. So instead of saying, you could do that vase of Carnations and Alstroemeria, you'd want to say, your grandma will love that vase of Carnations and Alstroemeria. And then you can go into like the positives, like the long-lasting, the fact that they can see the water to change the water, that kind of a thing. So just saying, your grandma will love that vase of Carnations and Alstroemeria is much more powerful than saying, you could do that vase it kind of places the decision like it's already happened at that point your grandma will love it oh you're right she will love that base number three is asking permission so i kind of touched on this in the last episode um, but this is really about making your customer feel comfortable so we want to ask questions of course to learn more about their situation and serve them best we covered all that in the last episode but it can kind of feel like an inquisition if you aren't experienced at it or if you're dealing with a customer that is maybe a little more shy or afraid to ask for help. So we really want to ask their permission to help them sometimes. It kind of puts the ball in their court. And in this case, you want to use the word can. So if you've got a customer that you know needs like a little nudge but isn't receptive to like answering a bunch of questions or maybe just doesn't even know like what they want or how to answer the question, try asking, can I make a few suggestions? So they're probably going to tell you yes. And asking, can I make a few suggestions? Like asking their permission is better than saying like, would you like a few suggestions? Because that could easily be a yes or no answer, but saying, 
can I make a few suggestions? Most people aren't going to be like, no. <laughs> like, that just feels, like, really uncomfortable. If someone asks you that, I would, I would always say yes. I would just, like, I would want the conversation to keep going smoothly. I wouldn't say, like, no, you can't make suggestions. Like, that's just a hard no. Or if they would say, would you like a few suggestions? I might be like, no, I'm, I'm just looking, you know. So can you, if you can tell the difference between using the can in this statement versus the last one, it's, um, it's asking permission. Like, let's say you've got a customer that's been carrying around a product for like 10 minutes. Go ahead and ask, can I wrap this up for you? So you're kind of taking the object from them, giving them the opportunity to shop more freely, maybe their hands are full, or just like moving them gently into a buying position while offering, of course, good service. And this is also a really great chance to like ask for their name. So, hey, can I wrap this up for you? And they're like, yeah, sure. Then you could say, let me grab your name so I can make sure and mark your bag. And then you've got their name so that when you check them out, or if you go check on them again ten in 10 minutes if they're still wandering around, you can be like, hey, Susie, how's it going? You know, did you need any more help? So it really kind of personalized the interaction. The fourth little tip or phrase is to reinforce them. And I'm going to get like a little mom psychology thrown in here today too. Mom and marketing psychology. So positive reinforcement is definitely more powerful than negative. And if you can choose like one or two things that your customer says to spin as a positive or like repeat back to them, it really encourages them to continue with the sale. It like makes them feel good about the decision that they've already made. And if they are feeling positive about the whole interaction, they're more likely to continue it and maybe even like add to it. I also want to bring up using the word and instead of but. Our human brains are kind of conditioned to only focus on the words after but. Like if you tell your kids, you can go to the library, but you can only get two books. Like they're going to focus on the fact that they only get two books, not to the fact that they get to go to the library. But if you say you can go to the library and you can choose two books, like that's an entirely positive statement. So that's just an example. But let's say we want to talk about flower shops instead of libraries. Uh, maybe you've got a phone call and he wants to send his wife like two dozen yellow roses and he wants to spend $100 even. We're like, oh my gosh, this isn't going to happen. Like you and I know this is not an arrangement that we can make for 100 bucks. So how are we going to tell the customer this though? There's two different ways that we could say it. Here's a couple of phrases that focus a little more on the negative. We can certainly design 24 yellow roses for you, but it's going to be X amount of dollars. Or we'd be happy to create a bouquet for you, but it will be 12 roses, not 24. So like both very politely stated, but there's a button um, so it kind of like turns the end of the sentence kind of sour or negative. Here's a couple ways to say it that are a little more positive. That's so sweet of you to surprise your wife. Yellow roses are a great pick and we can design a beautiful dozen for you at that price. Did you hear the difference there? And we can design a beautiful dozen for you. Sounds much better than, but it will be 12 roses. Here's another positive spin. Yellow roses are so lovely. I'd suggest six yellow roses arranged with some mixed garden flowers to give you that lush look at that price. So can you hear the difference there? We're offering like positive reinforcement for the good decisions that he's made, which are yellow roses. They are beautiful. And just ordering flowers in general, like good job, buddy. 
And then we're also offering an, an alternative, like without making it negative. So instead of saying, you know, we can't do 24 roses for that price, we what can you do instead? Don't even focus on the negative, just completely turn to the positive side. So another way to like reinforce your customers is by mirroring them. And we talked about mirroring a little bit before, but I wanted to touch on it again. This is just a really powerful way to like quickly build rapport with your shoppers. And I'm not talking about like being creepy and like, like I'm just imagining you playing Simon Says, like they tilt their head to the left, you tilt your head to the left. No, like that's, that's too much. Think of it more of like an echo of their actions or their words or trying to voice. So mirroring is just kind of like mimicking what your customer is doing back to them to kind of reinforce that this is a positive interaction. So if your customer crosses their arms, like you can cross your arms. If they kind of shift their body to the side while they're talking, you can do the same. Again, this is not Simon Says, like don't copy them exactly. Just notice those subtle like body movements and kind of echo them. And studies have shown that in retail settings, customers like to be slightly angled to you versus like front to front. It's kind of a little more pressure when you're talking to someone like with your feet facing them directly, like straight on. Whereas if you stand kind of at an angle to them, almost like beside them, so it makes them feel like you're on the same team. Like if you're discussing a product and your product is on your left, kind of turn your body so you're facing the product a little more and that feels like you and the customer are like having a team conversation versus you talking at them. Of course, if you've got like a really good customer or something that you, someone that you feel like really familiar with, then maybe you do want to stand face to face because you've established that relationship and that's like a more comfortable stance for people. And this is like such a little thing, but just think about the next time that you approach someone and you're talking with them, just like pop your foot back and just see how it makes you feel. Um, mirroring, mirroring, that's a tough word to say. Mirroring is... Um, also like tone of voice and how they're talking. So if your customer comes in and they're super excited and high energy, like match that energy, right? Like if the bride comes in and she's just like thrilled, like we're gonna kind of match that energy in the room. And of course, if they're like quiet or somber or maybe grieving, we're gonna match that energy too. That's mirroring. We all do it all day long without even thinking about it. And then also like communication style um, or like words that they use especially for like phone orders or weddings. For example, if you're meeting with the bride and they are like very type A, they want all the details, they want like purchase contract agreements, they want like, do I make payments up front? Is there a payment plan? If they want all the specifics, you're going to like really kind of phrase your words or like run that consultation a little bit more like tightly than if they're just like heads in the clouds, they want big picture, they don't really care about the details. Like that's a different kind of consultation. Same with phone orders. If your customer is asking like for specific details on varieties, like they want to know like what color lilies do you have in the cooler? Or like they use terminology that lets you know they're a little more familiar with flowers. You're going to talk to that customer differently than they're just like calling on their lunch break. They have their credit card. They want to put an order in and get out of there. Like that's a different conversation. So just mirroring how they're conversing with you um, back to them really kind of reinforces that this is a positive conversation and I want to continue with this purchase. Last but not least, um, I told you to, take, to keep it short. We're at 15 minutes. I'm going to shoot for 20. <laughs> Practice clienteling. And it, clienteling is exactly what it sounds like. So you treat people as clients, not customers. And this is just a, a subtle mindset shift. 
Um, if someone is your client, it implies a little bit more of a personal relationship. Like you've got rapport established, you've worked with them before. And just because you're clienteling someone, it doesn't mean that you already know them. You might have a completely new customer, but if you treat them as though you would treat a client, it's just going to help you develop a better relationship with them. And clienteling is kind of a long-term thing. So like, it involves like keeping track of their purchase history, um, keeping in touch with them to get to know them a little bit better. We talked about you know using a point of sale. You can get them on your email list. Of course, you can always send notes in the mail. We talked about that in an episode. Like customer retention strategies. Go back to that episode. All of those customer retention strategies are a way that you can treat your customers as clients. So I don't know if you've ever seen the show like Sex in the City. Um, and they're like, they're going into these department stores on Fifth Avenue, right? It's a high-end department store. You've got a personal shopper. I'm like, pretend that you are a personal shopper for a high-end client in New York City. So you are working on commission. And the better that you serve that client, the more likely they are to want to work with you again. And they're probably going to tip you. It's like, you bet your butt that you're going to be doing whatever you need to do to like really build that relationship, right? You're going to get to know their tastes. You're going to get to know their sizes. You're going to get to know their name, their name, their husband's name, their best friend's name. Like you're going to really establish a client relationship. So if you can approach interactions with your shoppers in your store the same way, it's going to really just be a slight mindset shift that will, I think, help you with your customer service. It definitely helps me. Um, these are just ideas like take what you want do what you want with them but think about it like we're florists we're helping people at so many different times in their lives so so many different emotions so like for one client or customer in one interaction you could be their personal shopper their hype woman their interior designer their confidant their friend all in like one interaction just because you're helping them with maybe an emotional purchase or something that's really specific or special to them. So I think this is a really good um, way to think about helping our customers in the floral industry is treating them as clients. Like we are professionals and we are going to get to know them and serve them as clients. So I kept this to under 20 minutes. Wow. (laughs) I want to say thank you for joining me. That was our five little um, tips for, for smooth sales. I'm going to be back soon with an episode all about setting up your sales floor with success. And I'll be having uh, one of my staff members join me, Sarah. I'm excited to chat with her all about that. But for now, I hope you have a fantastic day and we'll chat soon.